0: To the one who conquers life after death, so that death alone may die. To him be glory and praise forever and ever. Amen. Hey, don't tell me that. I haven't seen the movie yet. I'll bet you have said that before. When someone was about to tell you all about the movie that you hadn't seen yet but wanted to, and you didn't want to know about it until you've seen it. You maybe also have heard that before when you were about to spill the beans to someone else about a movie that they wanted to watch. The reason why we do that is because you don't want to have the ending color the rest of the movie as you're watching. Because if the ending of the movie is tragic and devastating, then any little good uptick here and there throughout the movie is going to have a gray cloud over it. You'll say, well, big deal, that good thing happened. We got the devastation coming at the end that's going to be far worse. And the opposite is also true, isn't it? If the ending is glorious in victory, then the, the setbacks, the heartbreaks, the downturns along the way are not quite as deeply emotional because you know we got this glorious ending in the end regardless. I mean, really, think about it. Does it matter deeply? Does it crush you and devastate you when you're watching Cinderella and the stepsisters are being mean to her? Or the stepmother doesn't really want her to go to the ball? And then she's under lockdown when the nobles come to try to see if the slipper fits. That doesn't really crush us because we know. The slipper's going to fit in the end. She's going to live in the castle happily ever after with the prince. Which of those two perspectives applies to you and me as Christians? Is the final chapter devastating, and so everything kind of is a gray cloud no matter what? Or is the final chapter glorious, so that everything has a silver lining no matter what? The eternal truth we get to rejoice in today is that Christ conquers Satan not just for a few minutes, but forever. Satan will lose, Jesus will win, and that changes our approach and outlook of pretty much everything. The Bible verses before us today help us in that direction. Revelation chapter 20 is where we will be spending some time. Revelation is figurative language, and... That doesn't mean we have a license to interpret the details however we want, anything that comes up into our mind, but it does mean that we are able to interpret the symbols in a way that the rest of Scripture matches up with and agrees with. And so as we read through these verses today from Revelation chapter 20, we will enjoy some rock solid truth from God's Word as to what we hear about satan and his future and jesus and his future as well as us and our future here we go revelation chapter 20 and i saw an angel coming down out of heaven having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain the angel is a description of jesus he's coming down out of heaven and he has two things in his hand One is the key to hell. Jesus is in control and he gets to decide who goes there and who will never go there. He also has in his hand a great chain. He's in control and he gets to decide who's going to be bound up by that chain and who is not. What does Jesus do with these two things? Look at all the activity coming next. He seized the dragon, and he wasn't gentle. Jesus seized that ancient serpent, the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked it and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations anymore, until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time." The term thousand years describes the period of time from when Jesus finished his work of redeeming us from our sins until Judgment Day in the future. So we're in that time right now and have been for quite a while. Isn't it exciting and bolstering to know that during this time, Satan is under lockdown. He can't do whatever he wants. He can't go wherever he wants. He doesn't have a license like a free spirit. He's limited. He's doomed. He's destroyed. He still has a little influence here and there when he's able. So you shouldn't think of him as destroyed in the sense that he is just dust because he's still powerful and he's still active and he causes havoc and haywire wherever he havoc and things to go haywire wherever he can. But he's like a dog on a chain. Picture a vicious dog foaming at the mouth with rabies dangerous scary but on a chain. So if you stay out of the length of the chain, you're fine. The dog can't really hurt you. But if you wander in by the dog, worse, if you pet him and think he's harmless and even nice to you, well, now you have put yourself in harm's way, haven't you? So while Satan is limited, while he is bound, he still is able to deceive, and lie. And when people wander in by the dog and think that he is harmless, Satan can do a lot of damage. Just think of the damage he gets done when people wander in there by him. And what does he say about himself? He says, I'm not going to hurt you. Am I even real? I'm just kind of joking around here and a lot of people joke about me and they're right. I'm just a red guy in a pitchfork suit with with horns and nothing that can really hurt anyone ever. Come on in here. Pet me for a little while. I'm not going to hurt you. What does he say about hell? He says hell. Is that even real? Would God send anyone there? If he does, it's his problem and he's not loving if he, he would even think about doing that. No one goes to hell anyway except the worst dictators in the world who killed millions of people. Certainly you're not going to ever go there. Come on over here. Pet me for a while. I'm harmless. What does he say about sin? Does he say you should repent? Ha! He says, what is sin? It's casual. Who even could call a sin a sin anyways? It's kind of just up to you what sin is and is not. Come on! Pet me for a while. I'm harmless. The topic of the Bible comes up. And the devil says, the Bible, like you can really believe anything in there. Just a bunch of stories. All the book that doesn't even relate to today. Plus it's kind of big, so you shouldn't even bother opening it. Come on, pet me for a while. I'm harmless. Who is Jesus. He'll say, Well, he's a good guy. Well, he's a nice teacher. He kind of took the shaft because of some eminent enemies, but he's nothing special. There's lots of good guys and nice teachers and people who take the shaft because of eminent enemies. Come in here, pet me for a while. I'm harmless. And so people, instead of believing the truth, which is Satan is doomed, and Jesus will win. They trade in the truth for a lie. They wander in there by the vicious evil foe who is chained, and yet if you let him tempt you, and if you let his temptations make a home in your heart, he can do all kinds of damage. We've seen that damage too many times in the lives of people that we know, as well as even in our own life. And then there's so many other ways we could pet that yucky dog and fall for his lies. How about you love money instead of God? I'm harmless. Keep petting me. How about you go for more power instead of serving others? I'm harmless. Keep petting me. How about you hold a grudge and show them who's boss today? I'm harmless. Keep petting me. How about you rank other people not like you? Because they're not worthy of your time, and they're smaller than you. I'm harmless. Keep petting me. The list could go on and on. Don't go by the dog. See him for who he is. He's not harmless. He's the enemy. The number one enemy you face. And the number one enemy anyone else faces. Then see also what the Bible is. God's holy truth which sets us straight, telling us all about Jesus, who is more than a good man, he is perfect. More than a good teacher, he's the master teacher of holy, eternal truth. Unique in, in every way, because he is our Savior. Jesus is the only one who can promise you forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the only one who can promise you life after death. Jesus is the only one who can promise you that Satan will lose, that he will win, and that you also will win along with him. Jesus is the only one who can promise you that hell is real and terrible and people go there. But you won't. You won't ever know what hell looks like, feels like, sounds like. You'll never know because of Christ and his redemptive work on your behalf. What a gift. That's what the next few verses are talking about, Christ's victory. I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Jesus gives somebody the ability to rule alongside of him. And do you know who that is? It's us. It's Christians. It's people who trade in their sin for Christ's holy forgiveness and perfection. We are with Jesus in glorious heaven with eternal peace coming our way forever. Verse 6 is such a fabulous verse. It talks about the first resurrection and the second death, and I'd like to explain that a little more. The first resurrection happens whenever somebody who was dead in sin comes to faith in Christ. You and me are examples. We were dead in sin, but now we are alive in Christ. We believe what He says. We hold fast to His forgiveness. That's the first resurrection. The second resurrection is when we go to heaven one day. The first death happens when someone is spiritually dead, when they don't believe in Jesus, when they listen to the devil's lies and and that's all. The second death comes when unbelievers go to hell. Look at what verse 6 is teaching us. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Blessed and holy are those who have come to faith in Christ. Blessed and holy are those who are alive in who Jesus has made them to be through his word. Hell has no power over them. The final chapter is glorious and not devastating. You know for sure beyond any shadow of a doubt that heaven is your home, That you will worship the one who is crowned with many crowns. That Satan is doomed and everything that comes from his lips is a lie. You need not be deceived by it. He's limited on a chain. He's going to lose. That changes everything, doesn't it? When you know the final chapter is victorious, It changes everything in the way that you view your life. No longer are you here to gain money and power and crush people. Now you're here to serve. The description here is as a priest. Someone who loves Jesus and loves others and wants to serve them. To help them find the peace that you have found. To help them enjoy the forgiveness that you enjoy. When a good thing comes in your life, you say, hey, thanks. But you don't set your heart on it like it's your everything because it's just for a time and the victory that comes in the end is far better. And when there's a setback or a struggle or a heartbreak, it hurts, it stings. There's a process of healing to go through and yet you're never crushed. Never destroyed or devastated because you know the final chapter is a victory beyond your wildest dreams. Satan will lose. Jesus will win. That's the final chapter. That's the present circumstance. That is no fairy tale. Enjoy how that impacts your life today and every day. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.